You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show coming right up with Gavin Walker.
we would like to wish you all a very happy new year. As this is the first show of the new year, and uh, we'd certainly hope for the best um, in these rather turbulent, unpredictable times. And we can, uh, we can only hope for the best. And uh, <laughs> we're all going to have to live through whatever we have to live through. And um, that's about it. This is the first live edition of The Jazz Show on CITR, FM, and 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. And as usual, our jazz feature will kick off the show. We have lots of music to play for you this evening. Uh, some wonderful, great musicians to uh, feature. And our jazz feature this evening is definitely a great musician. I'm happy to say that he is... Uh, so many of the uh, musicians that we do play on the show are, are deceased. We have their music on records, but uh, in this case, this gentleman is very much alive and very, very productive. His name, Herbie Hancock, and uh, he is one of the great pianists of the 20th century and 21st century. Mr. Hancock and McCoy Tyner in the 1960s really changed the language of jazz piano and influenced so many musicians. Um, during that time, so many up-and-coming musicians like Keith Jarrett, um, Stanley Cowell, Chick Corea, their influence was far and wide. And, of course, Hancock um, established himself from when he was first discovered, Herbie Hancock, like um, the outgoing U.S. President Obama, was from Chicago. And uh, Herbie was a musical protege. He was playing Mozart and, uh, and Beethoven and classical music when he was just a young, very young preteen. And, of course, uh, moved on into jazz music seamlessly. A lot of classical people can't really make that transference, but Herbie Hancock certainly did, and he was discovered and headed for the Big Apple, for New York City. And it wasn't long before he was uh, working with some of the top musicians um, in their field, people like Donald Byrd. Um, and Pepper Adams, and uh, it was very soon that Herbie Hancock was um, offered a recording contract with Blue Note Records, and he made his first album called Taken Off in 1962 with a hand-picked group of musicians. And, of course, that album had a hit, and that tune was Watermelon Man. And, of course, um, that tune, of course, was recorded by all kinds of people, and uh, brought Herbie uh, uh, notoriety. And, of course, um, he continued to uh, re um, record for Blue Note. Very innovative and very different albums. And we come to the jazz feature this evening because this album, and, of course, you have to realize that by the time this album was recorded in 1965, Herbie Hancock had established himself as one of the major voices of the piano and was a member 
of Miles Davis's second great quintet. So those two positions, and of course his recorded legacy on Blue Note, not only as a leader, but as a sideman, uh, he was there. He had arrived. This album, called Maiden Voyage, and I picked it because it's kind of symbolic as, as uh, the first album of the new year. This album called Maiden Voyage is arguably, and I say arguably, one of the most perfect modern jazz albums you could ever hear. The chemistry of the band that Herbie picked was such that the musicians had, they didn't really even have to discuss the music that much. They were just able to take it off the paper and play it and have this completely unified feeling, even though this group was not necessarily a working band. All the musicians had worked in other contexts with one another and were very familiar. In other words, it was almost a common language. Oh, yeah, this is the way it's going to go. No, uh, well, no, I want you to do this. No, very little direction on, on this album. It just seemed to come together, and it came together beautifully. All the compositions on here, there's five of them on this album, which was done for Blue Note Records. Um, they're all brand-new compositions by Herbie Hancock. And uh, two of them, including the title track, uh, Maiden Voyage, and another composition called Dolphin Dance, became jazz standards, and, and people everywhere played those tunes. And um, the band, as I mentioned before, featured Freddie Hubbard on trumpet. Now, Freddie had recorded um, Herbie's previous album, on Blue Note Records. He was the sole horn on an album called Empyrean Isles. And, and of course, that's a great, great album. And Freddie and Herbie Hancock just had a musical understanding. The other people in the band were all people that Herbie had, uh, was either working with or had worked with in the context of Miles Davis's band. So he was familiar with their language. I'm talking about bassist Ron Carter, one of the all-time greats, and I'm happy to say still very much with us, and the late genius of the drums, Tony Williams, who was just barely out of his teens on this recording. The other horn player on the front line was George Coleman, now, George Coleman had worked with the, with the early genesis of the Miles Davis second great quintet. He had worked with Miles for two years. By the time of this recording, George had left Miles. He worked uh, with Miles from 1962 to um, the summer of 1964. Then he left, and his place was taken by first Sam Rivers and then eventually Wayne Shorter. But George Coleman was, of course, uh, her, and or Herbie Hancock and the rest of the mus musicians were very familiar with George Coleman. And, of course, he is one of the major voices of the tenor saxophone, and I'm happy to say he is still alive. You just ask Corey Weeds about George Coleman. He spent an evening at George Coleman's house. Uh, Corey uh, was in New York for five days, 
and of course um, managed to hook up with uh, with George Coleman, and uh, spent a delightful time um, as the guest of Mr. Coleman at his house. And uh, George offered uh, Corey had a gig in New York, and George offered Corey his horn to play. So that was a uh, big feather in Corey Weed's cap. Anyway, George Coleman's still very much alive, and he was a big part of this album. And the chemistry, as I mentioned, of all these this, these five musicians, um, as I said, they were really they didn't have to really discuss how the music went. They just pulled it off the paper. They had a rehearsal before the record date, and bang, they came in and played the music because it was a common language to these musicians. And I think this is what makes this record so exceptional, uh, so well-loved. I know many, many people have heard this recording before. But I ask you, have you listened to it recently? Maybe not. Maybe you need to revisit it. And that's what we're going to do this evening. So without further ado, we are going to get into the album. First of all, once again, the personnel Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, George Coleman on tenor saxophone, Ron Carter on bass, and Tony Williams on drums, and of course Herbie Hancock on piano. These are all compositions by Herbie Hancock. We're going to open with the title track, Maiden Voyage. The theme of this album, by the way, is the sea in its mystery, its power, um, its ineffable um, majesty, and this is this is, was the underlying theme of all these these uh, tunes. So we open with Maiden Voyage. The second tune is called The Eye of the Hurricane. Tune number three is the other um, popular tune that became a jazz standard, Dolphin Dance. Very melodic, very beautiful, hummable melody. And uh, tune number four is entitled Survival of the Fittest. And tune number five is called simply Little One. So here then, the Herbie Hancock Quintet, this wonderful Blue Note album, a true classic, Maiden Voyage. Enjoy. Thank you. 
And we come full circle with the uh, complete album by Herbie Hancock on Blue Note Records, a true classic, the album called Maiden Voyage. Five brand new compositions at the time, written by Herbie Hancock for this date and this particular combination of musicians that, uh, that Herbie selected to do this date was recorded in March of 1965, and of course it's still, it seems a long time ago, but the music is so refreshing and uh, covers so many bases. And of course it's so masterful because all of these gentlemen, these five gentlemen on this recording are true masters of music. We heard Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, the late, great Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, and the still-living legend of the tenor saxophone, Big George, George Coleman. And what a beautiful um, combination of the two horns and the blend between George Coleman and Freddie Hubbard. And on bass, still very much with us, Ron Carter. And, of course, holding everything together with those um, beautiful, elastic, pliable bass lines, which uh, are sort of all over the place, but hold all the music together. Ron Carter is just amazing um, with that particular ability of his and that beautiful sound that he gets on his, uh, on his bass. And on drums, well, what can be said about a true genius, Tony Williams. And um, Tony was scarcely out of his teens uh, on this recording date. And, of course, Ron Carter and Tony Williams um, and, of course, the leader, Herbie Hancock, were all part of uh, Miles Davis's second great quintet. George Coleman, the tenor saxophonist, had been with Miles from 1962 to 1964. And he had, of course, uh, left and uh, was freelancing at the time, but he was uh, picked by Herbie Hancock uh, to do this uh, recording. And, of course, he sounded magnificent on it. The five compositions were all by Herbie Hancock, and they were all about the sea, the mystery of the sea, the majesty, the power, all that sort of stuff. And uh, that was the basic uh, underlying theme of uh, all the themes. And, of course, two of the tunes on this date became uh, jazz standards that everybody played. And the title track being one of them, Maiden Voyage, and track number three, which was Dolphin Dance. And in the order of appearance, we heard Maiden Voyage. The second tune was called The Eye of the Hurricane. Then we heard Dolphin Dance. Then survival of the fittest, and ending on a more quiet, almost somber note was uh, um, a composition called "Little One." I guess not somber, necessarily peaceful note, you know, because the sea could be that way. Sometimes it can be <laughs> horrendously frightening, and it can be very, very peaceful and very, very beautiful, as we all know, because we live right by the sea. We know all about that stuff. Anyway, that was uh, 
Herbie's album, Maiden Voyage. And I have heard this. Um, I don't think there's really any perfection in art. Um, art is always striving for perfection, but perfection is rarely reached. But some pieces of art can be close to perfection, and I think this recording was one of them. And um, many of you have heard this music before, but uh, as I mentioned before on the preamble, um, have you heard it recently? And you you have right now <laughs> on The Jazz Show. And that's what you're listening to, The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. We haven't finished, quite finished with Herbie Hancock yet. I'm going to play you another version, one that I particularly like of Maiden Voyage because it's such a great composition. And this time... Herbie is involved here. He's the pianist on here, but he's not the leader. The leader is the late, great master of the vibes, Bobby Hutcherson. And on bass, uh, the recently departed Bob Cranshaw, and on drums, Joe Chambers. And this is one of my favorite. I love the original version of this tune, but I also like this version of Maiden Voyage. So here then, Bobby Hutcherson, Herbie Hancock, Bob Cranshaw, and Joe Chambers. Maiden Voyage. One more time.
Yeah, just a bit of a, an addenda to our jazz feature. Another version of um, Herbie Hancock's great composition, Maiden Voyage. This time played under the leadership of the late, great vibraphonist Bobby Hutcherson, along with the composer on piano, Herbie, and on bass, Bob Cranshaw, and on drums, Joe Chambers. And that's from Bobby Hutcherson's uh, wonderful Blue Note album called Happenings. And I just thought I'd uh, add that along with the jazz feature. All right. As I mentioned before, you are listening to The Jazz Show, our first edition for 2017. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course, uh, we're on the dial at 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. We're going to be back in a moment with uh, a great alto saxophonist. I don't think uh, I've ever played his music on uh, The Jazz Show. So um, after these messages, I'll tell you who it is. All right. Musqueam 101 is a community meal and speaker series that brings together the knowledge of two communities, Musqueam and UBC. It provides an opportunity for Musqueam community members to meet educators and participate in the academic culture of UBC. The night begins with a catered meal and then a guest speaker presents on a subject relevant to the community at Musqueam or First Nations more generally. Each presentation is followed by a group question period and discussion of the week's topic. Musqueam 101 is offered from early September to early April. We meet weekly on Wednesday nights at the band office lower boardroom. For more information, visit www.musqueam.bc.ca backslash events. TransCare BC works to enhance the coordination of trans health services across the province and offer expanded health services to support transgender communities. They are doing this by developing gender-affirming, client-centered models of service. Ensuring access to gender-affirming and supportive health care that is equitable and available. And supporting network development to make sure trans and gender-diverse individuals, their families, and health care providers have access to information, resources, and support. Check out phsa.ca to learn more about this program and lend your voice to help create an inclusive and supportive system for the trans members of our community. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Arthur Blythe is one of the great voices of the alto saxophone. Uh, in his early days, he was uh, he played with um, the iconoclastic and uh, radical pianist in Los Angeles, um, Horace Tabscott. And um, Arthur Blythe um, actually wasn't known uh, by his last name. He simply referred to himself as Black Arthur. <laughs> and... Uh, he uh, was originally, he was born in Los Angeles, but he was raised in, uh, in, in San Diego. And he's one of the most um, unique voices of the alto saxophone. It took me a long time. I, that's the instrument that I play. And I, 
was very um, respectful um, of Arthur Blythe's ability on the uh, on the uh, alto saxophone. I mean, he's an incredible master of that instrument. It's too bad in in recently uh, years he's been felled by Parkinson's disease and and unable to play and all that sort of stuff. It's it's uh, a little sad because. Uh, he truly is one of the major modern voices of the alto saxophone. But as I mentioned before, it took me a little while to get used to his playing um, uh, because he uses a very um, pronounced uh, vibrato. And normally modern alto saxophonists don't use a lot of vibrato. Some of the old guys did. Um, the, the, the swing players, Johnny Hodges, um, Benny Carter, uh, people like that, uh, that were really, uh, came to maturity in the thirties and, and, and forties before Charlie Parker. And most modern alto saxophonists don't use a lot of vibrato. Arthur Blythe does. This is part of his style. And it took me quite a while to get used to that because when I first heard it, I said, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know, you know. And this guy can really play. I know that, but, ooh, the vibrato kind of bothers me. It doesn't anymore. It's part, it's so much a, a part, uh, an integral part of his, his, his concept um, that you accept that uh, when you hear Arthur Blythe play. And he is an incredible um, musician and uh, very, very creative. He um, moved to New York uh, quite late in the late 70s and uh, began uh, being heard um, around New York City and, of course, uh, uh, managed. Uh, he was recording for some small um, independent labels at the time, and he actually managed to uh, secure a Columbia Records contract. This is a big deal back then because uh, the large record companies weren't particularly interested in, in jazz and they weren't interested in a middle-aged guy either. They were interested in young musicians at the time in the early 80s, the, what they called the young lions. You know, and you know, people like Win Winton Marcellus were just coming into the um, jazz world and, and uh, all of those younger musicians that... Uh, uh, dressed in suits and <laughs> all that kind of stuff and and were were actually playing more acoustic style jazz not not uh, jazz rock fusion um, it was an interesting period and uh, some of the young lions stayed and developed and moved on and and became great musicians like Winton Marcellus and others kind of faded into the background but Arthur Blythe was a little different he was older and uh, and yet he secured a recording contract with Columbia Records and made a whole series of albums. We're going to just play you. This is going to be an eventual jazz feature, but I love this album. This was his first for Columbia, and um, it features a stellar cast of musicians, uh, including the incredible Jack DeJanet on drums. Um, and... Uh, James Newton on flute, one of the most incredible flute players, and Blood Ulmer on guitar, Bob Stewart on tuba, Cecil McBee on bass, Jack DeJanet on drums, 
and my old friend Gil Hermi Franco on percussion, and of course Arthur Blythe on alto saxophone. This was recorded in uh, 1980, and it's from his Columbia album called Lenox Avenue Breakdown. And uh, that's going to be an eventual, we're going to play that whole album uh, uh, sometime in the near future as a jazz feature. But we're going to hear two tracks from it right now tonight. They're both compositions by Arthur Blythe. The first one is called Down San Diego Way, and the second one is called Sliding Through. And you get a little taste of the magnificent alto saxophone work of the great Black Arthur Blythe.
We heard two tracks by the great Arthur Blythe on alto saxophone. Arthur Blythe from his album Lennox Avenue Breakdown. And uh, Arthur with uh, James Newton on flute and Blood Ulmer on guitar, Bob Stewart on tuba, Cecil McBee on bass, and Jack DeJanette on drums, and Gil Hermie Frankel on percussion. And uh, we heard two compositions by Mr. Blythe. The first one was dedicated to the town that he grew up in, San Diego, and it's called Down San Diego Way. And uh, the second tune was called Sliding Through. And, of course, the uh, always adventurous and um, uh, wonderfully dynamic alto saxophone of Arthur Blythe. One of the great players, and he recorded, uh, I think he recorded about... While he was with Columbia Records, he did about ten albums for uh, for Columbia, and most of them are um, have never been issued on uh, on CD, unfortunately. Uh, so they're very hard to uh, find and very hard to access as well, because they, they they just aren't out there, and they should be. Uh, one of the great players. You are listening to the Jazz Show on CITR FM one hundred one point nine or on your computer, www.citr.ca, our first show of 2017. My name is Gavin Walker, and we'll be back in a few moments with a tribute to one of the great pioneers of modern jazz, drummer Kenneth Spearman Clark, Kenny Clark. And uh, he was um, truly 
one of the first modern jazz drummers. And he preceded uh, even Max Roach. Um, and of course, uh, Kenny spent uh, a good part of his life in, in Europe. So that's why, um, in some ways, he is one of those overlooked um, masters. But uh, he was on so many classic recordings, and we're going to hear a whole bunch of them uh, right after these messages. Kenny Clark. AMS Food Bank. Your access to money during the studies at UBC will most likely be limited, but it is a priority of the AMS Food Bank to ensure your access to food is not. The AMS Food Bank provides emergency food relief seven days a week for all UBC students to volunteer with the food bank or for inquiries about how to take advantage of the services provided. Contact them at foodbank at ams.ubc.ca. For more information, find the AMS Food Bank on Facebook or feel free to visit anytime across from the Wellness Center and Sprouts. I need somebody, help, not just anybody, help, you know I need someone, help. Do you ever feel uncomfortable or unsafe walking around campus at night? There's an AMS service dedicated to helping anyone trying to get across campus alone at night. We're SafeWalk and we have your back. Call us at 604-822-5355 to request a transfer or check out our website at AMS. .ubc.ca forward slash safewalk for more information on hours and policies. Yes, we're back with Kenny Clark. As I mentioned, his name was Kenneth Spearman Clark, and he was born on this day in 1914 and passed away January 26, 1985 in uh, in Europe. In, he he was, lived in France for many years. He... Um, truly was uh, the pioneer of modern jazz drums. And, of course, um, he was born in Pittsburgh, as a matter of fact, um, and died in uh, Montreuil uh, in France. He was 71 years old. Uh, of course, he was associated with the first edition of the modern jazz quartet, uh, the longest-running uh, uh, permanent jazz group in the history of the music, and uh, um, then um, performed all over um, in Europe. When he, he moved, he was much more comfortable. He felt much more comfortable over in Europe, and he formed a great big band as well. Uh, but he was part of the early development of modern jazz and played with Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, of course. He was part of Dizzy's great big band in the mid-'40s, played with Thelonious Monk uh, and all of those people. And um, he was um, an incredible uh, musician. He was a drummer. He was a subtle kind of a drummer, too, and... Um, um, I guess maybe this is another reason why he's he's kind of overlooked. But uh, if you listen to drummers like Billy Higgins and so on, they come really from Kenny Clark. And, of course, his brushwork was um, uh, to die for. <laughs> and uh, uh, his cymbal work as well. And he could play, um, uh, he could drive a band by just playing very lightly on, uh, on the ride cymbal. Um, one of his... Uh, it used to be in the old days in swing music that a drummer uh, 
used his bass drum and he played uh, uh, four beats on the floor. In other words, boom, 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 boom with the rhythm. Kenny Clark decided that this is this wasn't something he wanted to do. As a matter of fact, his 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 um, his leg got tired doing this stuff, and he thought, you know, this isn't all that musical to do it that way. So what he did was he used the bass drum to punctuate the music and um, emphasize uh, um, certain passages in the music and transferred his rhythm rather from the bass drum to the ride cymbal. And this was the beginning of, of uh, the modern concept of, of jazz drumming. And uh, he did this in, way in the, in the late 30s and early 40s. And so he was really a, um, a pioneer. He was, he was ahead of his time that way. And, of course, he's an acknowledged great. We're going to uh, play a whole series of recordings with Kenny Clark. This one, he's, he's the leader on this date. And it's interesting because this was the very first recording by Julian Cannonball Adderley, one of the great voices of the alto saxophone. And his brother Nat is on here as well. Um, they had just arrived in New York City and, and made uh, headway. They, they played at a jam session with uh, most of the musicians on, on here and, of course, stunned everybody. These two uh, uh, very sort of country-looking guys um, came into New York City and sat in. And, of course, everyone, back in those days, everyone figured, oh, these guys, well, we'll just, we'll just shame them. Uh, you know, we'll invite them to the bandstand, but we'll blow them away. Well, they blew, the, the, the Adderley brothers blew everyone away. And, of course, were immediately accepted. It was almost like a, one of those uh, Hollywood movies. Immediately accepted in, in New York. And uh, um, they appeared on this record not very long after they arrived in, in New York City. And Kenny Clark was the leader of this uh, stellar band. So we have here um, Kenny Clark on drums with uh, Paul Chambers on bass and Horace Silver on piano. Julian Adderley, Cannonball, on alto saxophone. Um, Nat Adderley on cornet. And we have uh, Donald Byrd on trumpet uh, as well. And Jerome Richardson on... um, uh, Actually, he's not... uh, He's on the first track that we're going to hear. The first track is dedicated to um, the great jazz club in New York at the time was the Cafe Bohemia in Greenwich Village. And Oscar Pettiford, the great bass player, wrote this tune. It's a jazz standard now, Bohemia After Dark. And we're going to listen to that tune. Then uh, with all the people I mentioned, and then we're going to hear um, the second tune is actually written by, it's a blues, and it's written by Julian and, uh, or Cannonball and his brother Nat, and it's called Hear Me Talking to You. Now, that's a very interesting title. That was the title of a great book by one of the great jazz books on the history of the music by Nat Hantoff. And Nat Hantoff just passed away a couple of days ago. One of the great writers and, and, um, uh, contributors to the jazz scene. Nat Hantoff wrote lots of books, but jazz was one of his primary interests. And I was told that uh, when Nat Hantoff passed away, he was listening 
um, uh, he was surrounded by his family, but he was listening to Billie Holiday as he um, faded off into the sunset. And um, a great writer. Anyway, uh, that's the name of the second tune, and it was titled after Nat Hentoff's book because it was uh, uh, Hentoff's book was out at that time. And so they just called this blues, Hear Me Talking to You. So there you go. Um, all the personnel is here except for uh, on the second tune, Jerome Richardson doesn't appear, but all the other people I mentioned, if you can remember them. <laughs> here we go. And uh, this is led by the drummer, Kenny Clark, and this is the first part of our little tribute to the great Kenny Clark. Bohemia After Dark.
That featured one of the very first recordings by Julian Cannonball Adderley. Now, the band was led by a gentleman we're paying tribute to right now, the great late drummer Kenny Clark. And Kenny put this band together with um, newcomers uh, of the time. This was recorded June the 28th, 1955 in New York City. And uh, the newcomers were Cannonball and uh, Adderley on alto saxophone and his brother Nat, who played the cornet, which was a smaller, shorter, sharper trumpet. And uh, the other people involved here, uh, Donald Byrd on trumpet, Jerome Richardson, who wasn't really heard in solo. He, uh, he just was in the ensemble on the first tune. And uh, Hor- Horace Silver on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and of course the leader, Kenny Clark on drums. The first tune was uh, entitled Bohemia After Dark, and that was a classic written by bassist Oscar Pettiford. And uh, it paid tribute to that great uh, club in New York City in Greenwich Village called the Cafe Bohemia. And the, uh, the solo order in there was Donald Byrd on trumpet, followed by Nat Adderley on cornet, then Cannonball on alto saxophone, and Horace Silver on piano. Then we heard the slow blues called Hear Me Talking to You, and it was written by, uh, co-written by Julian Adderley and his brother Nat. And uh, the soloists in the order on that one were Horace Silver on piano, Cannonball on alto, Nat on cornet, then Cannonball again, and then Donald Byrd on trumpet. And, uh, of course, the rhythm section, Horace Silver, Paul Chambers, and the leader, Kenny Clark, on drums. We're going to hear Kenny Clark in a trio context. And uh, this time, uh, he's actually the leader on on this date. But it features the great Hank Jones on piano and Wendell Marshall on bass. And these guys... um, before Kenny Clark left for Europe, uh, these guys were the number one uh, rhythm section uh, for Savoy Records. And uh, Hank Jones was sort of the house piano player, and Wendell Marshall was the house bassist, and Kenny Clark was the house drummer at the time. Anyway, this is, uh, we're going to hear two pieces um, from this album, uh, the Kenny Clark Trio. And the first tune is, is called Odd Number. Uh, written by Hank Jones, and the second tune is a classic by Charlie Parker called Now's the Time. So here then is the Kenny Clark Trio.
That was the Kenny Clark Trio. And, of course, that featured uh, Hank Jones, one of the great, all-time great pianists, uh, Wendell Marshall on bass, and, of course, the leader, Kenny Clark on drums, a gentleman we're paying tribute to, one of the pioneers of modern jazz, which uh, I think he demonstrates on this album, of course, on this recording, um, his ability on the, uh, on the brushes, and just his innate ability to play so tastefully and yet make a huge contribution to the music. You don't have to play loud. You don't have to bash the drums. You don't have to do that kind of stuff. And uh, it's extremely difficult to play this way and, um, and still swing and have the music move and pulsate and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Kenny Clark was a master of that. We're going to hear some different kind of drumming uh, from him uh, right after uh, this, a couple of messages, and uh, we'll be back with uh, Kenny Clark performing um, with Sonny Rollins in Europe in concert, and uh, it's quite, uh, quite a different aspect of Kenny Clark's playing, and uh, we'll get to that in a very few moments. We have a couple of messages to play for you. And we'd like to tell you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 on your computer, www.citr.ca. Gavin Walker is my name, and we'll be back in a minute. Hi, everyone. We're from the UBC Food Society. Yummy. And we're the only food club at UBC. We're about feeding students, but also teaching them how to feed themselves. Through our restaurant outings and cooking workshops, we hope to expose you guys to the diversity of cultures, flavors, and food communities Vancouver has to offer. So if you want to get involved, email us at foodsociety at gmail.com or check up on our website at www.ams.ubc.ca slash clubs slash food society or you can even join our Facebook Facebook group UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world and guided tours are free our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources.
Well, <laughs> one of the big things in Vancouver, of course, has been our weather. And um, we're kind of back to normal, uh, or we were for a little while, but it's going to get cold. And um, we're going to have some sun for the next few days, but it's going to be cold. Anyway, tonight is mainly cloudy, a little bit windy by the water. There is a 40% chance of uh, some sort of precipitation with a low of minus 1. And then tomorrow is going to be mainly cloudy in the morning with a 40% chance of uh, either showers or some very, very light flurries. And then ending in the morning, then it's going to clear up and get windy, and, um, and the sun's going to come out. So with a low of minus 1 and a high of plus 1, not much variation there. Sun, um, Wednesday is going to be sunny and cold with a low of minus 4 and a high of minus 1. Uh, Thursday, even colder. Sunny, though, uh, with a low of minus 10 and a high of um, minus 2. So both days below freezing. Friday is going to be cloudy with a 60% chance, they say, of a shower um, of some sort of precipitation. They don't really know with a low of minus 5 and a high of plus 2. And then Saturday, some snow or rain, they can't say which, with a low of minus 3 and a high of plus 3. And uh, Sunday's about the same with a uh, forecast of rain or snow. <laughs> oh, um, with a low of 0 and a high of plus 5. So if the high goes up to that, it, it'll probably, you know, switch to rain or whatever. We, um, they really can't tell. The, these things are offshore and so on and so forth, you know. So there you go. That's uh, the vague um, weekend forecast, but at least for the next uh, few days, it's going to be very cold but sunny. So there you go. That's the price we pay this time of year for uh, sunshine. It gets cold, so that's the way. That's the way it is. A couple of websites I'd like to uh, mention. One of them is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. That's coastaljazz.ca. And the other website, of course, is the website of Vancouver Jazz, vancouverjazz.com. And those two websites are very important. Coastal Jazz, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, the people that bring you the big jazz festival. Um, it's a very comprehensive website. There's the Frankie's Jazz Club schedule on there. And, of course, Frankie's one of the leading jazz clubs in Vancouver down on Beattie Street. There's all kinds of music there, programmed by the redoubtable Corey Weeds. And uh, the music's always good down there, the food and the beverages and all that kind of stuff. It's a very classy place. And um, you can look on the Coastal Jazz website. Uh, because they're one of the sponsors of, uh, of Frankie's and get the whole schedule. You can make reservations. You can do all that kind of stuff on that website. So that's coastaljazz.ca. And the other website, as I mentioned, is vancouverjazz.com, also a comprehensive website. All kinds of interesting links on there, too, put together by my old friend Brian Nation. And uh, one more brief mention of my good friend Ken Speller. Ken Speller is a music teacher. And um, he does, um, he comes to your home and teaches you how to play saxophone, the flute, or the clarinet. He's called Music at Home. And Ken is also a master repair person. Um, he 
uh, repairs these uh, sometimes delicate musical instruments. He'll put them in shape for you. It might need a complete overhaul, or it might just need a couple of tweaks to make the instrument sound the way it's supposed to and, the, and to make you sound the way you're supposed to. And Ken deals with professionals, students, amateurs, and beginners. And um, he uh, keeps his prices very, very reasonable because... His workshop is right in his home, so um, he keeps his overhead down and doesn't charge you an arm and a leg to uh, get your instrument into good shape. And he can advise you on uh, uh, instruments to rent or buy, all that sort of stuff. So he can be reached at 778-800-1933, or um, kspeller underscore 14 at Yahoo. .ca. K Speller, K S P E L L E R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. All right, we're going to get back to music. And this time we're going to take you to Aix en Provence in France in concert, March 11th, 1959, and a reunion with the great Sonny Rollins and the great Kenny Clark, along with the wonderful and uh, adaptable Henry Grimes on bass. Sonny does a lot of experimenting on this tune, and um, Kenny Clark is uh, uh, follows him. Kenny, of course, had been living in, uh, in Europe for several years, so this was kind of a reunion of these two old friends who... Uh, played a lot and recorded a lot together back in the early 50s. This uh, was recorded in March of 1959. Rollins was uh, on tour over in Europe, and uh, he really wanted to play with Kenny Clark. And they're going to do a whole number on uh, this tune, written by Tad Dameron. It's a great tune. Uh, And uh, Sonny is in, plays... Uh, completely freely and uh, without uh, um, completely free form and yet within the structure of the tune. And they all have a ball on Tad Dameron's Ladybird. Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone, Henry Grimes on bass, and the great Kenny Clark on drums. <laughs> Thank you. 
Joseph Henry Grime. Henry Grime. Thank you very much. Thank you. There's a ball. Kenny, you want to do some more? I'm splitting. Right. Je suis fatigué. Yeah. <laughs> Well, after that performance, they don't want to let him go. Sonny Rollins, unbelievable, and just playing as freely as possible and uh, sort of hinting as to what he was going to do. He, uh, after um, he returned to the United States in 1959, um, that's when Sonny decided that he was going to uh, take his very famous sabbatical, and uh, he disappeared. Um, and did not play publicly for the next couple of years. Uh, practiced diligently. Um, he was supported by his devoted wife. And uh, Sonny embarked on a health program and uh, practiced every day on the Williamsburg Bridge in, in New York. And, um, just, uh, and then came out a very, um, still Sonny Rollins, but a very different um, kind of a player and made that and uh, then he uh, made his famous um, debut album after his sabbatical called The Bridge which uh, so many people are familiar with but uh, Sonny was um, experimenting before that and uh, he was just having a ball with uh, drummer Kenny Clark on this and uh, he really got loose and free and, and, and took that tune as far out as it could go and just had a ball on it. Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone, Henry Grimes on bass, and Kenny Clark on drums. And it was a reunion uh, for Sonny and Kenny Clark, old friends and old compatriots. Recorded uh, in Aix-en-Provence in France, March 11th, 1959. Sonny Rollins. And the tune was Tad Dameron's Ladybird. Our final tribute to drummer Kenny Clark was um, as a resident of Europe, he hooked up with a pianist arranger by the name of Francie Boland, and they formed a big band, and it was the Kenny Clark-Francie Boland Big Band, and that was one of the great modern jazz big bands. It was together for many, many years, unfortunately, uh, through circumstances beyond anybody's control, they never toured North America, but they did lots of recording over in Europe. And the band was made up of uh, American expatriate musicians and European musicians from all over, from, Lin from England, from Turkey, from uh, Sweden, Norway, blah, 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 all those countries. So here is an early recording by the band, that came out on Atlantic Records. It's, called, it's from an album called Jazz is Universal. And um, the personnel in the band, in the trumpet section, Benny Bailey, the great American expatriate trumpeter, Roger Guerin, a Frenchman, Jimmy Duker from London, or from Scotland, sorry. <laughs> He'd be insulted if I said London. He was, from, he was a Scotsman, Jimmy Duker. And Ahmed... Uh, Mafi Fallet from Turkey on trumpet. That was the trumpet section. And Nat Peck uh, and Ake Pearson uh, from Scandinavia on trombones. The great lead alto saxophonist who was admired 
by everyone, died young, Derek Humble. He was from London. Um, and someone from Yugoslavia, Carl Drevel. And Zoot Sims, of all people, was over there for a while. So he's in, he's, a, he's Carl and Zoot are playing tenor saxophone. And the great expatriate uh, baritonist and flutist, Sahib Shahab. Francie Boland is the arranger, composer on piano, Jimmy Woody on bass, and Kenny Clark on drums. So we're going to hear a bunch of tunes uh, from this album called Jazz is Universal. We're going to begin with a Francie Boland composition called Box 703, Washington, D.C., and solos by Roger Guerin, Francie Boland, Derek Humble, Aki Pearson, and Sahib Shahab. And then we're going to have a feature for Kenny Clark, the drummer, and it's written by Francie Boland, once again, arranged by him, and it's called The Sticks. And we're going to hear some Kenny Clark stuff, and then we'll go on from there. So um, we'll tell you more about it after we listen to it. So here is um, Box 703, Washington, D.C., the Clark Boland Big Band. Thank you. 
One of the great big bands in the history of modern big bands, the Kenny Clark, Francie Boland big band. And unfortunately, they recorded a lot, but they never toured uh, America. And uh, too bad, circumstances beyond their control, and it just never happened. But they were together from um, approximately 1962 right into the 70s. And um, co-led by the great drummer Kenny Clark, who we've just paid a lengthy tribute to, and uh, pianist-arranger Francie Boland, who uh, put together this band, uh, along with Kenny, uh, made up of uh, American expatriate musicians and uh, musicians from Europe, and visitors as well at times. So there you go. And uh, sort of an ever-revolving personnel over the years. But um, we heard three tunes from this uh, band. First one, um, all arrangements by Francie Boland, by the way. The first two tunes were compositions by him, too. Uh, The first one was called Box 703, and that featured Roger Guerin on trumpet, Francie himself on on piano, Derek Humble on alto saxophone, Aki Pearson on trombone, and Sahib Shahab on baritone saxophone. Then we had a feature for Kenny Clark, uh, on this uh, fascinating piece called The Sticks. And uh, then the final tune was James Moody's great tune, but uh, Francie's arrangement of that, called The Last Train from Overbrook. And that featured solos by Benny Bailey on trumpet, Sahib Shahab on baritone saxophone, and uh, a tenor battle between Carl Drewo and Zoot Sims. And uh, that was a lot of fun and a great tune the last train from Overbrook. Kenny Clark, Francie Boland. Kenny, of course, was born um, January 9th, 1914, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and passed away in 1985. He was 71 years old, and of course, one of the great pioneers of modern jazz drumming, Kenny Clark. All right, we're going to end the show this evening with a brand new recording from Toronto pianist, Brian Dickinson. Now, Brian's kind of underrated, not in Toronto, of course, but a lot of people don't know uh, of his abilities, um, not only as a pianist, but as a composer. He's been around for a long time, and um, he's got a brand new album out with a wonderful title. It's called The Rhythm Method. Yeah. And uh, we're going to hear two Brian Dickinson compositions to uh, end the show this evening, featuring one of my favorite tenor saxophonists in this country, Kelly Jefferson, wonderful human being and a wonderful player, and somebody I'm not familiar with on alto saxophone, Louise Denise on alto saxophone. Louise, of course, L-U-I-S. He's male. (laughs) Neil Swainson on bass, an old buddy. uh, Neil was born in... uh, Victoria uh, moved to Vancouver and then moved on to Toronto. And, of course, he's one of the great Canadian bass players, wonderful musician. And on drums, another favorite of mine, Ted Warren. So all these compositions or the compositions we're going to hear are by Brian Dickinson. And, of course, he plays the piano. First tune is called Orion, and the second tune is called Open Season. And it's from Brian's brand-new album on Addo Records, and it's called The Rhythm Method.
Brian Dickinson, one of the uh, leading pianists out of Toronto. He's not really well-known across Canada, but he's been the mainstay of the Toronto scene for uh, many years. This is his latest album on Addo Records. It's called The Rhythm Method, and he put together a wonderful band with um, some favorites, uh, including Kelly Jefferson on tenor saxophone, uh, Louise Denise on alto saxophone, and the great Neil Swainson on bass, and Ted Warren on drums. And we heard two very interesting and intricate uh, compositions. Of course, Brian plays piano, and he wrote the two tunes that we've just heard. Uh, the first one was called Orion, and the second one was called Open Season. And, um, well, I said uh, we're going to wrap things up with this, but I have one more to play for you. Well, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be very far until uh, things um, kind of change in the United States with the inauguration of uh, you-know-who. And um, I thought this would be appropriate tribute to you-know-who and uh, the plight of um, maybe the world, but especially the plight of the American people. Um, It's hard to say what's going to happen. Who knows? So we give you Mose Allison, who wrote this tune, and uh, he's on here with Jimmy Nepper on trombone, Jim Ryder on tenor saxophone, Addison Farmer on bass, Frankie Dunlop on drums, And this is Mo's tune called Stop This World. Mo's Allison. Stop this world. Let me off. There's just too many pigs in the same trough. There's too many buzzards sitting on the fence. Stop this world, it's not making sense Stop this show, hold the phone Better days this lad has known Better days so long ago Hold the phone, won't you stop this show Stop this game, deal me out. I know too well what it's all about. I know too well that it had to be. Stop this game, you know it's running me.
Well, I got to smart farm good. I just don't do the things that I know should. There's bound to be some better way. I just got one thing more to say, and that's stop this game. Deal me out. I know too well what it's all about. I know too well that it had to be. Stop this game, you know it's wrecking me. Ending another edition, our first edition for 2017 of The Jazz Show, the great Mose Allison from his album Swingin' Machine. Mose with horns with Jimmy Nepper on trombone, Jim Ryder, tenor saxophone, Addison Farmer on bass, Frankie Dunlop on drums, and of course Mose on piano and the vocal. And that was his composition called Stop This World. All right. Next week on the Jazz Feature, one of the great, truly great albums by Art Blakey and his Jazz Messengers. Now, this band, um, even in the studio, could perform with lots of fire and, and swing. But this album, called Free For All, was, is a, a portrait of the band at its best, captured in the confines and the optimum conditions of the recording studio. And uh, they're just on fire on this album. And it's one of the finest Art Blakey albums of all times. And that's saying a lot. That's going to be our jazz feature next week. Free for All with Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Wayne Shorter, Freddie Hubbard, Curtis Fuller, and Art Blakey and company. Thank you very much for being out there this evening, and once again, a very happy New Year to uh, everyone uh, that's still up and listening, and uh, we're really grateful for your ears. We hope you enjoyed uh, the show this evening, and we'll be back in seven days' time on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker. Take care, and see you next week next Monday night at 9 p.m. Bye for now. Do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee We'll